We need to pursue our artistic dreams. And to pay an editor to edit your podcast. Hint taken, Bieber. We're talking about that flyer by night gig or the managing your money hustle and the tell the doctors it's not Coke, it's Pepsi up there profession. We are your hosts, Jamie Parker Stickle. And Jason Bieber. And on this episode, we are talking to one of the stars of Tyler Perry's series, Ruthless. She's a creator, producer, host, actress of multiple productions, including her very popular podcast, What the Fuckery. You've seen her play princesses and bridesmaids all over the big screen. And we are so lucky to have not just a talented artist, but an incredible force in the entertainment world, Nadege August. Woo! Woo! <laughs> so much for joining us. Welcome to the show. Are you kidding me? That kind of intro? I'm taking you everywhere with me. Yes. You deserve oh, it. Thank you. you. I'm going to start my day listening with that. That's the affirmation. <laughs> This is this is our audition to just walk around introducing people. I think that's all we want. We really just want to be matchmakers. Oh, I'm enjoying this already. Yay! <laughs> um, but it's a it's really fun for us to um we know who you are. The minute you know Jason Kelly, the producer of this month, um introduced and sent out and he told us a list of everybody he wanted us to interview this month. Um I was like, what? What? I can't like I I would be too nervous like it was very exciting to like have someone on the show that we immediately recognize we've not met in person before never had a conversation but that I've admired your work and I watched you on things and that is like the most exciting thing ever princess diaries too what come on come on come on okay came on it's very exciting for me it's very exciting for me it is and and we're just thrilled to talk to you about the things you've done the things that you're doing but most of all most of all the things that no one else talks to you about that you've done (laughs) talking about day jobs day jobs i'm talking about night hustles I'm talking about maybe the things that that other people don't really know about you, things that are not in the press kit. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. When you say that, I can't help but think, oh, you mean things that were not plan B? Yeah. Right. But you needed to do to keep the proverbial roof over your head. Yeah. And so that you're not sitting in your car, you know, in a lit parking lot, spending the night there eating peanut butter and M&Ms out of the jar with like a plastic spoon that keeps breaking. It's okay, Jamie. (laughs) We're talking about those jobs. Those jobs. We've, that we've keep got the, we've got metal spoons now. It's okay. Keep food on the um, no, seriously, the most I I read this list. I've listened to your podcast. I've watched your shows. I really have a hard time picturing you in an emergency room or in a hospital at twelve a.m. to eight a.m. taking patient intakes. We're being a patient rep. I mean, that is like the craziest thing I think we've ever had on the show. It potentially could be. <laughs> okay. So picture this. New York. <laughs> Spanish Harlem. Oh, God. Oh, my gosh. 
I'm working at Columbia Presbyterian Hospital, emergency room area A, because area B closes and area C is pediatrics. Okay. Area A is for acute, A for acute, get it? Wink, ah. wink. And it was only on weekends. It was uh, Friday and Saturdays and Sundays, right? You mean when nothing really happens. Exactly. You know, when it's low, yeah, <laughs> low pressure, it's chill. You know, like I can potentially bring my scripts and study. No, sure. that never <laughs> happens. This is New York. <laughs> you come to an audition with blood spatter on your pages. Yeah. Let's just say the night went by. It so quickly. And it always got really hot at about 4.30 in the morning as clubs were petering out. Oh, God. Um, and I just remember, like, oh, man, I wish I paid more attention because a lot of character study opportunities. But we had our regulars. And I'll never forget the one man who came every Saturday, like clockwork. It's like, oh, here comes Roberto. Roberto, uh-huh. ah, I'm having a heart attack. He always thinks he's having a heart attack, but it, he reeks of alcohol. And you tell him, Roberto, please just have a seat. We'll get you. <gasps> no, I'm dying. I'm dying. I'm dying. Eventually, we talk him into just sitting down. Then he he's knocked out. And at about 7 a.m., he wakes up. And he's like, I'm checking out. Oh, my God. <laughs> himself out. He's fine. He sleeps it off. But it was like clockwork. It was like a form of Tourette's with this guy. Like yeah. It never failed. So he was like, we, we had our stock characters. That's crazy. Like, I never thought of a hospital, an emergency room having like regulars. Oh yeah. Because for a long time, I don't know how it is now, but you know, because of a lack of insurance in this country, right. people treat emergency rooms as clinics. Yep. They literally do. Like they'll come for an a- a- acute migraine for the flu. Um, when in fact it's because they don't have insurance and the emergency room is the only place where they can be seen by a doctor. Right. Or, and there's so few, I feel like there's so few county hospitals. Like in Los Angeles, we have one county hospital that uh, actually is for the entire population. And that is crazy to me because you can go to any hospital and be treated, but county is usually where people end up at, you know, in um, people uh, stands insurance. Yeah. So uh, sorry, I lost my um, thought, but um, it's so sad. That's really a sad thing. It really but also, is. Roberto, I want to meet you. you yeah, know, right? You're I wonder having what... panic attacks on alcohol. Alcohol is supposed to be a depressant. What are we doing wrong? Are you drinking tequila? It never fails. It never failed. And it's just like, oh, here comes, like, hey, come here. I, I, I know your information. Just oh don't bother. God. Yeah, he was that much of a regular. Did he ever um, actually end up seeing a doctor or would just sleep it off? He ends up sleeping it off because they, what we do is, and we have to because it's acute care, like a gunshot wound versus mm-hmm. Roberto who's drunk. I mean, who are we going to choose? Right. Sure. Oh my God. Yeah. So yeah. you're taking intake, you're, you're taking down people's symptoms and you're talking and communicating that. Right. I'm that person who's behind that little window. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I ask you for insurance, I get your medical data, your, your information, and then I pass you on to the triage nurse. So you're dealing with hostility too. Like, why am oh. I not being seen? Why oh, am I not being yes. seen? Getting yelled at as if it's my fault that they are back there. And I explain, listen, I just do the paperwork and I set it there. And what happens is beyond my control. Do you speak Spanish? Un poquito. I had to. I had to yeah. because of the population of Spanish, Spanish Harlem. Okay. Yeah, this was, this was my favorite thing. because, And they would actually get mad at me if I, was, if I didn't speak it fluently. They was like, you lying! 
you embarrassed to be Dominican. And I'm like, because I look Dominican, but we are from the same island, Haiti. Like I would get yelled at, like I am pretending I don't speak the language. And I'm like, I don't. But the problem with me was my pronunciation was actually spot on because I would say, no, pero si tu hablas santamente, yo comprendo mucho, you know, which is true. If you speak slowly, I will understand you. Because here's what I say, literally, yo hablo español un poquito, which means I speak Spanish a little bit, pero, but, si tu hablas lentamente, yo comprendo mucho. If you speak slowly, I understand a lot, mucho. Right. So that was their cue to go slow, but they would be so hyped up and understandably so. You know, you come in with a child who has a burning fever and you can't speak the language. Mm -hmm. You are like, don't. You understand me. Stop pretending you're American when you're not. That kind of hostility. Actually just gives me like anxiety. Thinking about the burning child with the fever. Yeah. I know. I know. Yeah. Yeah. My heart went out. I cried a lot too. I mean, I had moments. I was going to say, you probably needed some therapy. Um, And I hope you got it because I, well, I just think that that's, you know, we, listen, I have, my brother-in-law's a doctor and he couldn't watch ER because he said it wasn't authentic enough. And I was like, oh my God, it's worse than that. (laughs) <laughs> oh my god i mean i literally <laughs> I would freak out when he'd tell me that because i was just like ah. no we, we make out a lot more <laughs> <laughs> so our our that shift for some reason and it makes sense a lot of the interns had that shift so they were young doctors in training exhausted but yeah. still fun but still had a little bit of that like oh this is hilarious come mm-hmm. one come all come see this x-ray And there was this huge x-ray that they just had in that big open area. And one day they said, you've got to go see this. Now I had seen different things. Like what I came to find out was a little rat, which is a gerbil that would just go up through certain cavities in a male's rear. Sure. Sure. But one day this man comes in and he's got severe abdominal pain. And we're like, what happened? I don't know. I don't know what happened. Like he refused to say what happened. Um, they assume maybe it's another little gerbil or something in there. Um, they ask him point blank, like, look, you will save us a lot of time if we just know what's going on. If you, if the, no, no, it's not. A lot of pride, nothing. Okay, send him off to x-ray. The x-ray comes back and as clear as day, the outline of a beautiful, tiny little Coke bottle. And you can actually see Coke written the calligraphy. Oh, oh my mm. god! Yeah, that stuck with me. I, I never like, forgot that. Never really get to enjoy a Coke or a smile again. You know what's funny? Yes, that is true. I, for some reason, I see these bottles and I think of that, and I've never, and I do miss having a good old fashioned Coke in a bottle. <laughs> yeah, that, I, I, I have a little PTSD around bottles. Uh, never quite found out the story, but they were able to pry it out of. Yeah. Really, well, they had they to were... perform surgery to remove it. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was going to say, mm-hmm. would you give an enema to like create the deluge? <laughs> no, I think they had to go in aggressively, seeing as it's class. You guys, what glass. are you? Glass. Who's putting you, glass? But no, who cares about who's putting glass? The glass, I can like listen. It doesn't sit well with me, but whatever. The gerbil, I thought that was a myth. 
Like, what do you do with a hamster or some furry thing? Like, first of all, how do you shove it up there? Second of all, how is it still alive once you do? What's it breathing? Third oh, of all, it's not is alive. Like an apparatus? Does it have a wheel? Like, what else do you put up there? <laughs> right? <laughs> Are we jugglers? Uh, yeah, no. I, I just, you know what's funny? It got to the point where I just didn't ask questions. No, you, know you shouldn't. I mean? You shouldn't. There are things you don't want to know. Yeah, because you can't unsee them, just like I can't unsee that Coke bottle. I can't unhear things either. I mean, you would never see a woman in there with like a glass bottle stuffed in her somewhere. Not during my time. Do you remember a couple years ago, do you remember that the big thing with like fraternity parties or something or college parties was um, they would, they would like, Am I getting it right? They would like pour the alcohol in their vaginas or something because it got them drunker faster. What fraternity was this? Um, keep yeah, talking. Right. I'm going to look it up real quick. Wow. Um, it was like 10 years ago, maybe. And I was like, what? It's not that dangerous. And it was. It was like really dangerous because it got you. Ugh, I might be thinking it wrong. Okay, let's um, keep talking. <laughs> I mean, how in a hurry are you to get inebriated? I don't know. Okay, I'm going to look it up. Time is of the essence. It really is, you know. But this goes back to the myth. I mean, I was having this discussion with someone not so long ago how um, the, you know, uh, American culture, the U.S. of A, is people drink here to get drunk as opposed to have a nightly nightcap just because, you know. There is no charge around it, no myth, no judgment in other parts of the world. But here it's like, let's get fucked, effed up, you know? Oh, 100%. Yeah. Which so, there is a time and the place for that as well. Exactly. And at some point you outgrow it, hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah. Yes. Yes. They were soaking their tampons in alcohol and inserting them because oh. it would go straight to your bloodstream and you would get drunk without having any scent on your breath. And it would, you get, yeah. Yeah, huh. alcohol-soaked tampons, it was a thing. Um, and it was. It was 2012, and there's there's more to it. Okay, anyways, I just had to, like, make sure I wasn't, like, remembering something incorrectly. It was, That's like, a big depressing. deal. Yeah, like, Jamie, kids you were a dying. great idea here. You no, may be onto something. No, kids were dying because they were alcohol poisoning. Okay, so. Jamie, you have a terrible idea here. You're really not on to anything. Why do I read really- <laughs> Why do we? You didn't make this up, though. You found this legit. You found it on Mr. Google, right? Um. Okay. So besides Roberto, besides the bottle, at what point were you like, I quit? (laughs) Was it a situation where you were like, No, I'm, I'm, I'm really done now, and that was it? What happened? Um. Well, what happened was, it's kind of boring. I, I asked to, to transfer to a, let's say, quieter area, which was the uh, pediatrics emergency room. They were smart enough to separate the children from the adults. And fewer emergencies in the children's emergencies were legit, shall we say, you know? Um, But it had its downside because it's not fair, you know, to see these little innocent you know, if I could make a deal with God or whomever makes these decisions, I would say, can the kids be off limit, please? Yeah. 
So, you know, seeing a lot of pain, children who have sickle cell or oh. cancer at a young, young age, it's just like the, the, so I traded one thing, like there was that fast pace of like, oh, look at these people sh getting shot because they're too drunk and fighting in clubs and coming in with busted lips and blood, blood, blood to children who are like high fever. And next thing you know, they don't quite make mm. it out. So- <laughs> Did I had you some think that you would switch to a medical profession at any point. Did you ever think, Oh, I should go to medical school? Oh, never. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I always like, no, I'd rather play one on ER. Absolutely. And at this point, just to cut you, you are acting at this point. This was. Well, at this point I was in school, putting okay. myself through uh, grad school uh, and uh, going to doing my MFA in dramatic arts at the, uh, actor studio program at uh, the new school at the time it was there and then it went to pace um so yeah and uh wow i'm like going back a little bit getting a little nostalgic because i just remember the blurry eyes and having to go to class straight from the 8 a.m shift and how exhausted i'd be then i you know figure it all out uh, and eventually when it was after graduation i uh i quit i just walked away I didn't put in my time. Anymore. It was time to move on. Feels good, happy. right? Feels good. Feels good. When you moved on from there, did you move on to another side job or were you like, I'm done and it's, and now I'm, I'm act. Did you like have acting work or? Um, yeah, a little bit here and there. Um, so, you know, in New York, I remember my agents having that tough conversation with me because at the time New York was known for just, uh, what soap operas and Broadway and commercials, right? Yeah. And because Broadway was saturated with musical, they had discovered that with musicals, tourists don't have to speak English, but everyone enjoys music. So you don't have to understand. So there were no, not a lot of work in that world. And There's so my agent said, merchandise sales. Exactly. Cause that's the bottom line. Right. And all these, uh, uh, the straight plays were being pushed into the, black boxes and off Broadway and off, yeah. off Broadway. Um, so there wasn't much opportunity to make a living, but I was diehard. I had my own um, prejudices about LA, you know, like a real thespian belongs in New York. <laughs> Especially if you want to do anything live and make money at it. I mean, it's hard here. It is hard in Los Angeles to be, you know, a live actor, a live theater, a live, anything improv artists and make any money in Los Angeles doing it. Yeah. True. Because at least in New York, people don't just think dinner and a movie for dates. Right. They yeah. think comedy show, improv shows, like the average person knows what an improv show is. Like yeah. that's entertainment going to see a play at any given night of the week. You know, New Yorkers are hurting right now because they haven't been to a live show in forever. Uh, oh, yeah. because of COVID. So there was always an audience. Uh, so I remember testing for a soap, uh, not get, not getting it. And at that point I said, that's it, New York, you don't want me. And so therefore I don't want you either. <laughs> that, that's the way you have to do it. Yeah. yeah. You have yeah. to sort of be tough on it and in order to sever that tie, you know, because otherwise you're, you're at a loss and you'll just keep pounding pavement that ends, you know, mm -hmm. I yeah, think and that's I'm, smart. Yeah. And my agent said, you're not a singer. 
you're not a trained dancer, you're not going to work to make any money. You're not going right. to make any money. And, he, you know, they were right. They were right. Um, so, and that's how I ended up here. Yay, me. <laughs> so, so when you got off at LAX, or if you drove out, but you, LAX, I drove out. you drove out, I drove out too. So you drive out, you end up in LA. Did you have any resources here? People that could, yeah. Yeah. See, that's something I show. So then you gotta, you gotta put your hustles out to find work and, and find an agent and find a job that allows you to audition. Well, without- I did something that I do tell people who want to leave wherever, and this was at the time. Now things have changed. Everything's virtual. I actually, when young actors are ask me, what should, how do you break in? I said, honestly, I wouldn't even know where to begin if I was starting out today because the rules have changed so much. So whatever it is that you guys do, everyone's a TikTok star, a content creator. I'm like, if that's the way to go, that's the route. But Mm -hmm. the one thing I made sure was when I told the agents in New York that I was moving and I said, can you please put me in touch with some agents in LA? And I didn't move here until I knew I had an agent in LA. So that oh, helped great. a lot. That was that was a very good move on my end. I in retrospect, I didn't realize it, but instinctually I said, I don't know anyone. Yeah. Um, I had some classmates who were from here, you know, from grad school that I could look up, but I also knew we weren't close to begin with, and that wasn't the time to become close. You know, I wasn't going to call someone I never knew well. Hey, can I come crash on your couch? So I found uh, someone who was renting a room for a while, and then I eventually got my own place. But it was so helpful because I hit the ball running. I remember the first thing I did, I'll never forget, I drove cross country. I did have a friend help me who lived here. So bless his little heart. He flew, took a one-way ticket from LA to New York, came and got me, got in my little Saturn at the time. We, I packed up the basic things I could put in that car and everything else went away. We drove for three days nonstop. Yeah. First place where we actually, cause I'd sleep, he'd drive, he'd drive, I'd sleep. That's how we did it. Um, we stopped in one place and that was Amarillo, Texas. Mm-hmm. Best thing I had at the time I was a meat eater. Uh, and then Barstow, because we got to LA, it was a California about two, three in the morning. And we estimated that I would get to LA. I think where I was Valley village was where this place uh-huh. that I didn't know was, I had to go. It wasn't right to go knock on someone's door at six in the morning. Hi, I'm here to move in. So we decided to spend the night. So that was the, of all places, freaking Barstow, you know, that was also scary. It had his own issues. So that was the one time I actually slept on a bed for about two and a half days. But we oh, made God. it in three days across the country. But I remember him telling me, Nadesh, listen, we're going to go through the South. You do not wear shorts. You do not get out of the car. You do nothing to get us attention. And let's make sure we always have gas. But I do remember misery. I call it misery. That state was like a state that could never end. I mean, I just felt like I kept, I mean, I was like, oh my God, are we out of there yet? So we started calling it misery. Yes. So yeah. I I did the same route, but from Detroit, and I came down and went through Texas, and I was like, "Holy Jesus! It doesn't end, and it's just an ugly desert. Like it, there's no nothing, nothing. And there's I love a pretty nothing. desert. But yeah, it's not pretty. Ugly. It's not pretty. It's um, not even pretty. So when you got okay, so you got to Los Angeles, 
uh, you had a room to stay, you had an agent. What was your first move? Did you go meet your agent or did you look up jobs? The first thing I did was get a fax machine. Yes. Mm. <laughs> yes, I love I'm that. going to need that. I plugged that fucker in and I'm like, bring in the appointments. Yes. Then I went to meet the agents. I had one agent that didn't fax. Um, what you had to drive over to her and get the sides. Like she wasn't going to, and this was my first two years here. First, yeah, about 18 months I was with her. Um, and she was just like, you had to drive to Beverly Hills. You know, you know, I lived in Atwater Village. I had to drive out to Beverly Hills. There's no freeway. It was like an hour one way to get those sides and back. Right. It was I remember crazy. what we used to do is I would get the uh, breakdown and the appointments. But then if I if there was a script available, I had to go get it at my agent's office. They would just leave them outside the door with your name yes, on it. Exactly. So that, mm. Yeah. You remember that? Yeah. Yep. It was brutal i mean i it's weird because it wasn't that long ago you know it and you wasn't. just think you just think god why didn't the technology why this town for all of the advances that it makes in graphics and film and 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 cameras they are still so backwards in some of the ways that they um do everything else it's still so you know they keep things so locked up with red tape that you can't like break that archaic way that they do things sometimes, which really, you know, I have specific things in my head. Like why well, can't people submit themselves? So why much can't of it is, people get the breakdown? So much of it is not about technology. It's about control. It's about control. That's my yeah. point at the end of it. Stickle, have I told you how luscious your lips are looking? Don't be weird in front of the listeners, Bieber. No, no, no. I'm serious. I, I'm loving the new lipstick you've been wearing. But even when you're not wearing it, your lips just look really full and healthy. Well, you've got lip esteem to thank for that. Lip esteem? You got it. Lip esteem is a plant-based, cruelty-free, paraben-free, and gluten-free cosmetic line that was launched in Minnesota by the founder, Tamika Jones, right in the middle of the COVID-19 pandemic. Wow. Well, let me be the first to say that they make some beautiful lipstick. She does. She really does. Mm. And beautiful lipstick is just the beginning. They've also got amazing glosses, and you can get t-shirts and masks. And all of this is the foundation for their Lady, L-A-D-Y, mentoring program, a peer Mediated Learning Circle for African-American and African middle school and high school girls. I've got to find out more about that. You can. Just go to lipesteam.com to explore products, learn about their initiatives, and you can even schedule a virtual one-on-one -on -one makeup tutorial if you're interested. I am. All of that at lipesteam.com? Yes. That's lipesteam, L-I-P-E-S-T-E-E-M.com. I have done some crazy, crazy jobs in Los Angeles. And one of them wasn't a flyer distributor. This is one that I'm just like, what? I wish I'd had that job. One, what is a flyer distributor? Two, how did you get that job? Craigslist. Three, why were you doing it illegally? I'm very oh. much like, I read this and I'm thinking of like, were you Banksy? I Are you too. Banksy? I said the same thing. I was like, I wonder if she was Banksy. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's one of those things. Um, I wrestled with sharing that because, and this is me being completely vulnerable and honest. Um, it's a shameful, it was a shameful period in my life because I was at such a low 
that that is what I had to do for money. Mm -hmm. Now, I get it. I don't know if we've all been there, but that was one of those moments where I just said, this cannot, cannot happen to me again. But it also showed me how strong I was, that I would do anything to survive. My survival instincts kicked in where it's not that I didn't have enough pride, but again, you remember when that, uh, gosh, I'm terrible with names, actor from the Cosby show and then oh, yeah, the spin-off he Joe's. got shamed yes. for working mm-hmm. at Trader Joe's. Well, Which was it, one of the inspirations for this podcast because that was like, um, oh. excuse us. Like we are artists and because we need to support our families doesn't mean that we, you know, sit on a couch and, and I don't yeah. know, keep going. So, I'm sorry. I mean, so the, I, I connected to that and, and um, I swore I'd never share that with anyone. And, but when you invited me to join your podcast, I thought, okay, I, I, I probably need to say this out loud. Uh, so how did it all start? So here's the deal. Uh, with a master's, I was able to be an adjunct professor of speech at Los Angeles City College, Valley College. I just sort of, I was a freeway flyer, but my main school was LACC. Uh, the department went through some changes. I had the worst, uh, chairperson of my department and she inspired me to just say, F this, I am done. So once again, I walked away from something because I said, you know what? I'm not here for this. This isn't my career. It shouldn't stress me out. I shouldn't have to put in the amount of hours into something that I don't enjoy. And there's no future because as an adjunct, you don't get insurance. Right. You know, so uh, and I, I was fine. I was doing okay, but I went through a period. I think it was circa, I want to say 2017, where I couldn't get arrested getting a job. Mm-hmm. I couldn't go back to teaching. Um, and I had no waitressing skills. I'm clumsy. Been there. Feel you. And it's fancy out here. I mean, like, apparently it, these are sought after jobs. Oh, you you have a better chance of booking a guest star on a, a network television show than you do of getting a waitressing gig out here. You can't get one to save your life. Amazing. Yeah, I didn't even try to go in that route because at that point I'd, they'd laugh at me, my resume. Just like, I think I can do this. And I'm also clumsy. The closest I could, I would have loved a cocktail waitressing job, but that comes with food. And I'm like, I'm not doing food. So <laughs> I don't do food. I don't do food. I don't feed people. <laughs> no, I'll help you drink. But- and from a practical sense too, for me, I thought, well, how do you feed they do it at night. You know, you get off your shift mm-hmm. at what midnight, one a.m. You have a, a casting at ten a.m. When do you have time to get through your five, eight, two pages? You're exhausted. Mm-hmm. And for women, there's a whole other layer of what am I going to wear? We have to look good. We have to do. I mean, that alone eats up half of the time you can spend prepping for the casting. Yeah, we're just. Jamie Obsessed. just introduced me to nighttime skincare. I don't know how, where all the time goes. <laughs> yeah, it's the 70s. There's seven steps in skincare. And this man was like, you put seven, you do seven steps? And I was like, we've been together 11 years. Yeah, you should start. So anyway. <laughs> Take care of this situation. <laughs> You're still only doing four steps, but that's good. It's good. Yeah. Improving. Yeah, so... I get a call out of the blue, mercifully, from a, a, an acquaintance, not quite a friend. And he tells me, 
listen, I, I, you said you were looking for work. This may be something you don't want to do. And I said, just tell me what it is already. Okay. And basically, so there was this, when marijuana was becoming legal, mm -hmm. word got out. So all these companies had these grandiose plans of how they were just going to be the med, was it MedMen, the next MedMen. Oh, yeah. Well, this particular company was an app. They had an app where you can just order your weed. There were quite a few of them. So they basically hired my friend to get a bunch of people to go out at night and anytime any construction sites there were to plaster all of this posters, all these posters advertising their weed company. Yeah. And it was a, a couple of nights. So we, we'd get we'd gather around at about 10 o'clock at night, oh started God. West Hollywood and Boys Town, work our way down, any and then we'd jump in cars together, drive around, any anywhere there was construction, just jump out and go just like quickly do what this Benzi guy did. Right. Mm -hmm. Like so, was it were you using like wallpaper glue? Yes, we mm -hmm. were. So oh we would play them on the ground, quick, quick, do it. Play it. Oh, cops are coming. Ah! <laughs> God. Yes, yes. We couldn't get caught either. Or we just pretended, yeah, we're supposed to be there, but we were supposed to have a license. It was completely illegal. And then the next night, uh, it was going to downtown LA Live, Staples Center. There were events and we were just supposed to just give out these flyers. Well, lo and behold, a lot of my coworkers were homeless people. Oh. oh. That was a new low. That's when I was like, if I had an iota of suicidal ideations, that would have driven me over the edge. It right. almost did. And the most embarrassing part was actually, because I thought, oh, downtown is a safe bet. Hmm. No one I know goes downtown. Right. Like. What's downtown? Yeah. Well, wouldn't you know it? Someone who had interviewed me on the red carpet once. Wow. Saw me, recognized me, even though I made sure I was like, I had the baseball cap, the glasses. She, like, I dressed down as much as possible. And he walked right up to me. Hi, Nadege. Wow. I was mortified. Mortified. Yeah. And I think I came up with some asinine story about how oh my friend is trying this app thing and i hope you are not anti-weed i'm just helping them um distribute these oh yeah. fun. it's an innocent I, it's an innocent enough yeah i mean the story makes sense but he looked at me and i could tell he knew i was fibbing mm -hmm. and i couldn't bring myself to to say yeah that's my job i've fallen from grace clearly but you didn't. Falling from grace is giving up and you didn't give up. You know, yeah. you, this was something that you did to get to the next thing. And the work you've put out since 2017 is, is huge. I mean, this is, you know, this is, listen, I've told so much on this show. I, I literally did not have a place to live. So I, you know, I slept in my car twice and then somebody said, you can have my couch. So I get to their house. And I had, and, I had to get my own place, but I couldn't find something in my budget. So I, I went to sleep on the couch in their house and they shared the house with like six other people and everyone had their own rooms and she had a couch in her room, but it wasn't a couch. It was a chair. It was an, like a little bit oversized chair. And I slept there for six weeks and I don't think my body ever um, 
I don't think my body ever recovered from that, the way you have to sleep in an oversized chair for six weeks. But, you know, she was from Brazil, so that was a couch. And she, was like, <laughs> she was so sweet. She was so sweet. And I was like, this is not a couch. She meant well. She meant well. She was so sweet. And um, it was hard. Like, I didn't feel like I could talk to any of the people I had met. She was the only person that knew that, you know, I had to leave the apartment situation I was in because the person that I was uh, sharing the apartment with had not paid rent. And you had no idea. And I had no idea. And so we were basically evicted. And I didn't even know because I had been turning in my half of the rent. So I had no, I, it was a horrible time also in my life. And, you know, I ended up having to work three jobs. I got a job at Starbucks, which was awful from 4.30 a.m. in the morning till 8.30. I got a job doing makeup, you know, back at, um, at the mall. So I worked for a makeup counter the rest of the day and then at night I would pick up side hustles like I would go and pass out like you would have distributed posters I would had distribute you posters right yeah these just happened to be like through like cellular one or I don't know what the companies were but like phone companies who would like do keychains outside bars and like sign up for the service you know All right. it was, yeah it was almost like it was almost like a petition, you know, like sign up for the service get this free keychain or put your name here and we'll give you a sticker and you had to dress cute and wear lipstick. And I was like, felt like I was whoring myself, but you know what? We all hit a point, but it's what you do when you get there and how you rise above it. Right. I think, I think that, and I've, and you said the, I've done the petitioning thing as well, where you're standing outside the supermarket and you collect the signatures, um, for whatever the, the cause of the day is, but, um, you know, and you're, you're, you're just there for the bucks, you know, it's like 50 cents a signature or something like that. But I think that, what am I getting at? It's the so much pride. So much of it is about pride. What we do on the way to what we're trying to do. But and, also, and yes, and I'm interrupting you. I know, but it's also because we have degrees. I have an MFA as well, and it's like you spend so much money and so much time. And I, yeah. you know, I had it. I double majored as an undergrad, and you're you have these student loans and this promise and. It's a promise that you're like, I was promised if I do all of these things, it will happen. Something will happen. And so it's just, you work so hard and you're tired and it's like frustrating and you just feel real shitty. And then, oh, and I've, oh, go ahead. I've, I've said a few times, I said, you know what, if I can just take the content mm -hmm. that I got and returned it, can my student loans be forgiven? Let me just return everything I know, I think I know I learned. Here, thank you. Please absolve me of this crime. You know, in a lot of ways, that's that's the thing is that, you know, you're, we're, we're, we do these jobs to make the money that we need to so we can hold on a little longer so that we can get the job that we want. Right. But part of it is knowing, like, I could walk away. I could stop. And I could stop doing the side job too and go get a, you know, no one can see my air quotes, but a real job. Right. And, and by that, I don't mean, you know, necessarily a boardroom job or, or this job or that job, but just one, a job that I commit myself to fully and maximize my earnings so that I can be comfortable and not scared anymore. Mm. And would I feel 
you know, would I would I feel more pride then, or would I feel more pride now in holding out for what means something to me? Yeah, mm-hmm. I think you could feel pride, but I don't know that you'd ever be content. You know, there'd be that piece of you missing. Yeah, and that's, that's the ride or die actress part, right? Like I'm a ride or die baby because so I did what you had to do. Keep going, and it, part of what put me in this situation too was my web series, like. Mm-hmm using my own money. Oh, mm-hmm. I did the same thing. I did the same thing. Yeah. 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 And then of course I'm like, wow, $7,000 later of no wonder I can barely, you know, I, I got to go, what, distribute flyers yeah. to, you know, make up for it. So that's, that's ride or die part. And also um, I've noticed, I don't know if you've had the same experience, the few people who graduated with me who were in this, I'm only one of only three, I think, who are still at it. Yeah. Um, everyone sort of gave up, uh, moved out of LA, got married, got full-time jobs, um, teaching acting and other smaller, what is it? Smaller ponds where they can be bigger fishes. But I don't know if your experience is they have been unable to maintain a friendship with me. Yeah. Because I think it just sort of reminds them of what could have been. Oh Yeah. But what I tell them to is like, you are not seeing the sacrifices I've made. I've given up relationships. I'm unwed. I don't have a child or children. And let me tell you, that clock is ticking so hard right now. I'm just like, it may never happen. Do you know what I mean? It'll happen. There's also that to contend with. Like that possibility is very real and I need to be okay with it. I've had older actresses. uh, I'll never forget. So when I got my, uh, a nomination for, for uh, a show that I did a while back. So they do this beautiful, the ovations is basically the. uh, It's it's LA Tony's, right? Yeah. And it's just beautiful. We do it up and. And an older actress decided that it was the right time to tell me, listen, don't, don't do what all the, what other actresses do. Hurry up and get yourself a child if that's what you want right now, because you don't want to end up with like having nothing like that's going to be a regret. Part of me was a little resentful that that was the time that she said that to me. Mm -hmm. And it actually forced me to really think about it. Um, I've also felt like, well, I've never, I have yet to meet this special person who's willing to come together with me. I don't know how you two met and I'd love to hear how you met, but LA is a very difficult time, town for dating. Oh, I I never believed it. It's so hard. And I, 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 I understand what that older actress was saying to you because I waited. We didn't get married. I mean, listen. I've, I, I was there too. I was like, nope, I am ride or die. This is going to happen. And I'm shelving everything else. We met on set as actors. And it just happened. It just, it worked. It was like a, a miracle. But we waited four years to get married and we were already 30. And then we waited longer to have a kid, you know? So it was like, you know, I was like next year, six months, mm-hmm. just wait. You know, because I, even though I was in a healthy relationship, I still had that fear. Like, am I sacrificing my career. And that is something you can't get past until you do. Like you just have to let it happen. But this is a dry market. And I get that too, because people aren't supportive. And I, time and again, I don't know why people aren't supportive in relationships. Everyone I met before Jason was asking me to give up auditions to go 
meet them for lunch or meet them on a date or put them first or take a trip. And I was like, I don't take trips. Why don't you take trips? Because I could get an audition or a callback. So I don't take And you usually trips. did. And every time, if I ever booked a flight, I got a callback. And so I just, I don't take trips. You know, I've never, I mean, I have been places now, but because I would go in the summer, but now summers are, you know, season for auditioning too. Like you, so it's always something and you never want to be out when they call you. Right. Yeah, there's that. But, you know, luckily now with our little self-tape packages, we can be anywhere in the world and uh, right. that takes care of that. But I, I did make it a point to, uh, since I couldn't have the physical child, yet I said to myself, I'm going to live. So I I, I went away. Like I, I go away as often as I can. Good for you. And I literally just tell my agents, I am not available. Don't tempt me with what could be, what could have been, I'll be this back. Is a good lesson for all yeah. people listening. That is such a good lesson. Like, don't give up opportunities to live your life for this mm-hmm. career. Right. Because you have to go live and gather experiences yes. that make your art even richer. Yes. Absolutely. Like I celebrated um, two birth, three birthdays ago alone in Paris. Mm. Nice. That's and cool. I met someone, ended up getting engaged, didn't work out. But it was just so brilliant. Yeah. And, you know, then he took me to meet his family in Italy. And we just did so, like, things that enriched my life in ways where being a slave to this possible, this carrot that's constantly getting dangled in your face, it wouldn't have happened. Yeah. You know? And I came back strong, it felt like. Like, I had control. I said no. I said no. Yeah. Because I was saying yes to another part of my life. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. You leave the fax so. machine at home. I love that. Oh, you're going to make me cry. This is such a good interview. <laughs> I'm going to start crying, you guys. Literally. I, and I'm sorry if I do because you're speaking my language. Um. Okay. Excuse Jamie for a second. Jamie. Oh, is she really? Are you getting all forklimped? I am getting forklimped. I'm sorry. <laughs> she does this. I just think it's so important in like you're doing it right and you're not allowing this system Mm -hmm. and this part of art that is all business shut you down and that and that is what it can do and has done to so many people and you know you need to have a full life you need to live a rich full life you know and let yeah and saying no actually garners you more respect. Oh my gosh. If somebody a lot of, told me that at 25. It takes a lot of chutzpah to say no mm-hmm. and to stick to it too. No, Nadej, you also, I'm, I'm segueing again yeah, here. Yeah, do it. Oh dear, I'm scared. You, no, this, I mean, this could potentially be super interesting, but it, <laughs> it, it might, might be not edited. be. <laughs> I'm interested. I am too. I because know you also did, do, did, Tax prep. I don't know why you do this to yourself. Why do you do tax prep? What's wrong with you? Because I do our taxes and it's just for us and it's the worst. It's the worst. Yes. And I volunteer to help my fellow actors prepare their taxes. So the Actors Fund, they're this great organization. It's just my way of giving back since I've not, over the years, I've I've always wanted to be able to write them like a nice donation and it's never happened. I said, well, 
I'll give of my time. But we go through six weeks of intense training and I take like three exams. Wow. And when you pass it, then you can prepare taxes for your fellow actors. So they come in and their taxes are taken care of for free. That has helped me prepare my own taxes in a way where I'm confident that I'm doing it right. I've always been fascinated with the brain of how it works, right? How the the different hemispheres of the brain does different functions. We tend to be right brain as artists. And it's an unfortunate, I think of it as an excuse. I feel that no, challenge your left brain. Mm-hmm. Don't be okay with just being so dominant on one side that the other side can go to kaputs. There's nothing to be gained by it, right? One, two, no one's going to care about your money more than you. No one should care about your money more than you. So tap into that left brain and and figure it out because this is how when you hear of these artists who who do really, really well, and then suddenly they're like completely broke, like Mm -hmm. our major, you know, uh, uh, sports players, Mm -hmm. they're entertainers too, right? Um, They don't understand money. So I said, I must learn how to understand this thing. Yeah. That is an exchange for my time, my talent and all of that. So, yeah, that education and give back. And and, and that's I mean, but yeah, and I still have. Yeah, I mean, and I still have a, a fun side hustle where I actually teach actors how to get their financial uh life in order i call it mary condo your files <laughs> uh yeah I, there's a system of what you use and i teach you how to use uh, a financial software that oh. is compl- that works well for actors how to categorize all of your expenses understand the you know your your ex- your expense to income ratio how it affects your credit score so yeah this left brain i'm constantly like reminding it hey you know uh, I'll do, I'll add things longhand instead of using my calculator every so often, just to make sure I still remember my multiplication tables and my, my, my tables. So, and you know, what's interesting, those who we admire folks, I think every actor, I don't know if I'm speaking for those I know, including myself, the dream, what is the dream to be a series regular, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Isn't that it? Hell yeah. But even the people who are series regulars, they all have side hustles too. Oh, yes. Yeah. Those businesses, oh, I have a cosmetic line. That's a side hustle. Mm-hmm. I have a furniture line. Side hustle. You would think they don't need it, but they're still using their creativity. Others find ways of uh, having charitable organizations. That's a side hustle, but it's one that gives back somehow. Yep. Even though if um, you dig deeper into the show they're already on and direct an episode or write an episode... That is another job. Yeah. Yeah. We are capable. You know, actors are some of the smartest people because oh we're gosh. people who we end up knowing a little bit. What We're, we're like polymaths, aren't we? Mm-hmm. We know a little bit about everything. Well, you know, a little bit of jack of all trades, master of none, really. But I know a little bit about every topic. Oh, and, and if you're going to get a role, you're going to study that role too, yeah. which then takes you down a deep dive rabbit hole into that career. And then you come out going, I'm, I'm a PI. Give me the test. I'm going to take that mm-hmm. license right now. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So it's, it's even beyond the scope of, we know a little bit about everything. We are constantly learning. It's our job to constantly learn as artists because that just makes the characters we write, the characters we play, 
um, direct, even richer and better for an audience, more authentic and real. Absolutely. We want to say thank you <laughs> so much. Thanks. Nobody's made me cry before. Like you, you literally spoke my language and made really? me cry. I'm oh my honor. God. Not on air, like afterwards <laughs> wow. when I'm like editing and listening, but you literally made me cry on air. Um, oh. You're amazing. People can see you right now in Tyler Perry's Ruthless, um, your show, Bougie Dilemma. Um, I noticed there's it, episode one's on Vimeo. Is it still on YouTube? Are we streaming on Amazon? The episodes are up and available and Perfect. they can be found on, you know, Prime. The thing I always want to know is, was it worth it? Would you return the MFA? <laughs> yes. It <laughs> was a lot of money. It's a lot of money. Yeah. Would I return it? What, is it worth it? Was it worth it? Is it worth it? Absolutely. I wouldn't take nothing for my journey. <laughs> That's exactly what I like to hear. A lot of people too, when they first come to LA, they think that the party life where you meet some big producer and they're going to put you in this thing. And, and I, and I would always say, but where do you find time for your art? Right. If you're too busy getting high partying with this one and that one, you get to say you, I hung out with JLo. I was at this one's party or that one. And I'm like, okay. And did you get a part? Are they going to put you in their movie? I just don't understand that thinking, though. I don't either. I, I, yeah. I get that you need to know people. People have to know you. But do you really want people to know you as a partier? Mm -hmm. This was such a good podcast. It was. I bet you say that to all the guests. Yeah, but not this many times. <laughs> <laughs> this, Whatever when I actually mean it. No, this I'm time kidding. we won't edit it out. No, I'm not going to edit it out. <laughs> I, I'm going to let that stand. You couldn't be more gracious, more kind, more thoughtful, and have the best stories. Thank you. It, it really oh, was thank very you. good. It means a lot to hear that. She showed on Monday, made love on Tuesday. Hey, Beaver, you seem like a guy who appreciates a second helping. Oh, yeah. Two slices of pizza, a double-double burger, two-scoop cone. Well, how do you feel about a double episode? For real? Yeah, next week, we're dropping not one, but two episodes. Whoa. We're going to have the super talented Justin Chukiri on the show and the outrageously funny and also mega talented Nefertari Spencer. I don't know what to say. What can you say? We had to finish February with a bang. 